0: friends this is pastor bill clark welcome to the podcast hello friends are the first two words i begin each message that i get the privilege to share each sunday i get to tell my friends about the greatest friend jesus christ i also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life most of the episodes will be messages i share each sunday but from time to time i'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, January 7th, 2024. Epiphany Sunday. This is the Sunday we celebrate when the wise men arrive to visit the Christ child and deliver their gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Hello, friends. The first Sunday of the church year is the day we celebrate Epiphany. Epiphany Sunday is... The last Sunday, as you're going to see the decorations in the church, in the sanctuary. On Epiphany Sunday, we read the account of when the wise men arrived in Bethlehem to see the Messiah, the infant child Jesus, and present their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's take a look at what that trek of the wise men, it might have looked like back then.
1: I thought you said we lost him. I found you all! (laughs) Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh, no, just that big, super bright one. I mean, it's like, boom (laughs) blam But I'm still going to need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. Look at us, the four wise men, we're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't take much more walking. It's been three years. We should've been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence. In honor of the Messiah. Totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? (laughs) We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness, the gold represents his royalty. The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Right, 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 just listen, listen, I think, I think about a better gift, a gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing, a gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah, wait for it, wait for it. blam hummus you must be kidding do you mean you must be kidding because i'm not i'm not kidding at all hummus is delicious okay and and it's very it's very symbolic people unite together when they see hummus much like a savior Okay. Okay. This is my bad. This is on me. You guys go see the Messiah. I'll just stay here. I think that would be best. But at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought it just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a... He's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior too. Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. blam
0: <laughs> Maybe there were some other gifts, yeah? Some white jade or maybe some hummus, if you don't know what hummus is. It's when we are in Israel a year ago. It's like, it's like salsa, right? Brings people together. But it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter what the wise men brought. Because he didn't need their gifts. He is the Savior. He is a gift to us. A gift that is bigger than all the mistakes and all our mistakes. What exactly are we celebrating at Epiphany? As a church and as a Christian, Epiphany is the day we as Christians celebrate the manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles as represented by the wise men. We read today in Matthew chapter 2, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Epiphany's defined meaning is to shine through. On Epiphany, we celebrate Jesus revealed as the Savior for all people. Because the wise men are not Jews, but... Gentiles. But didn't we do that back on December 24th and 25th? What is different between Christmas and Epiphany? Well, I believe our answer to that, what we're celebrating Epiphany, lies in the words that we read today from Isaiah chapter 60. And remember, these words were written 400 years before Jesus was born. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. What we are celebrating at Epiphany is, our, is the light of our Savior, shining for all of us, for all nations. On Christmas, Jesus is born, and for the people living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Not an ordinary light. The very light of God. Again, the prophet Isaiah wrote, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Our light came when God gave the wise men a star to follow to find the Messiah. My question has always been, why did God choose the wise men? Who traveled, some estimate, up to three years following a star then to fall down and worship the infant child and give him his gifts, give him their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. The wise men came from a far land, made a very long trip. There's a lot of people in Bethlehem and Jerusalem and the very small area of Israel. Certainly, there are people who heard of the birth of Jesus and that he was the Messiah. You just think about the shepherds. Do you think the shepherds that visited the manger on Christmas night kept quiet? Luke recorded that the shepherds did not keep quiet. In fact, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And Mary and Joseph, They had to be getting questions about this child. This word began to spread. And yet nothing is recorded of the Jews from this area that came to visit Jesus. We only have a few verses of three wise men who are the ones to come and worship Jesus. So who are these wise men? We don't know much about them. We don't know their names. We don't know exactly where they came from. Was there a fourth wise man? We don't know we have more unanswered questions than answers about the wise men. So when you think about a question like that, I wanted to learn more about who these wise men are. Who are they? I can tell you that as I started to do some research, there are many ideas and conclusions about who the wise men are. Now, first of all, the proper name is not wise men, but magi. The original Greek word is magoi. The title Magi is used two other times in the Bible. In Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar called on Magi to interpret his dream. And they couldn't. But Daniel could. Seems seemed that they weren't very wise at that point, were they? We also see the title Magi used in Acts chapter 13. When Barnabas and Paul are in Cyprus and they encounter Magi who are false prophets, After Paul confronts the Magi named Elemas, he says the following, But Saul, who had been called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Doesn't sound like Paul holds the Magi in very high standing, let alone think they are wise. Yet God chose magi to be the ones to visit the infant child. I want to find out a bit more about the magi and where they came from. One article I've read about the magi said this. The word magi is found in Greek literature several hundred years before Jesus' birth. And in that literature, it originally referred to a class of priests in Persia, which is present Middle uh, Middle East the dominant religion in Persia and their magi were priests who were known for their wisdom and astrology and interpretation of dreams magi were often consulted by kings because of their wisdom and their supposed abilities to interpret omens and read the signs in the stars there's evidence in this area of Persian that they had a sizable Jewish population so it's possible that these Magi priests were familiar with the Jewish prophecies of the Messiah. Perhaps they, they, they saw this star in the sky and they could conclude that there was a royal Jewish birth. But we can't say for sure. By the time Matthew is written, we see in Greek literature that the meaning of the word Magi came to include all people who practice magic regardless of their culture, class, or trade. Magi could include people who consulted with spirits people who could predict the future and people who could curse enemies what struck out to me most in my research was this magi were largely looked down upon by the jewish culture and were considered anything but wise regardless of whether these magi in chapter two were persian priests or generic musician magicians their appearance as jesus worshipers would have been startling to Jewish readers because, traditionally, magi of all kinds were not the type of people that Jews associated with. These undained magi came with joy and excitement to worship the king of the Jews. Meanwhile, we read today, King Herod and all Jerusalem with him are troubled. They're troubled by the news of this Messiah. God has humbled himself by becoming a human infant child, Yet Herod and the Jews do not rejoice or worship or celebrate. For how could Herod be the king of the Jews if there is another king to rival his throne? The great irony of the epiphany story is that those who seem to be the least likely to embrace Jesus do, and those who seem to be the most likely to embrace Jesus do not. The Jews are right next door. They know the prophecy of the Old Testament, and yet they don't embrace Jesus. Didn't they see the star? Why did the Magi follow and believe in the star when those who lived near Bethlehem and Judea didn't? I'll come back to that question. Do you remember back in December? It was actually the winter solstice, December of 2020. Remember they talked about this Bethlehem star? Do you Remember back a few years ago? Now, the Bethlehem star of 2020 is when the planets of Jupiter and Saturn aligned on the winter solstice solstice, to make a bright star. They said a light that hasn't been visible from Earth for over 800 years. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I'm going to go outside and see what it's like. Anybody else go out that night, do you remember? Going out, looking at that star that night. I remember standing on my back deck, looking southwest, right? Waiting for this bright star, and I can tell you the truth When I saw it, I was a bit underwhelmed. I was expecting this big, bright star that left no doubt that this star was just like the Bethlehem star that the Magi followed 2,000 years ago. So back to my question. Why did the Magi follow and believe in the star when those who lived near Bethlehem in Judea didn't? Was the light unlike any light the Magi had ever seen, or was it the meaning and the promise of the light that drew the Magi. What made them follow the star? Because I saw this star. I saw the Bethlehem star on December 21st, 2020 that hasn't been visible on earth for 800 years. And I was underwhelmed. Did those around Bethlehem who saw the same star the Magi saw, were they underwhelmed? The point I'm trying to make is this. It's not the brightness of the light. It's the belief in the light and what it represents. How about Epiphany Day? January 6, 2021. Remember that day? Congress had just reconvened to accept the vote of the Electoral College and confirm the vote of the next president. Remember that, that election was a little bit contested if you remember correctly. At the same time, there's protests going on in Washington, D.C., and things got a little ugly. My thought was that night as I watched the news. Congress reconvenes late in the night to vote. On the day that we celebrate Jesus' light to shine through, why are so many people missing this light? God's light is still shining when the darkness is covering our lives. And January 6, 2021, was a dark day for our country. Those dark days haven't stopped, have they? Most of the time, I ignore pop things, news, when it pops up on my phone anymore. Thursday morning, school shooting. This time, it's in our state. First day of school, Perry, Iowa. A student decides that this is the date and time to take innocent lives, and not only that, you know, broadcast it on social media. A very dark day in Perry, Iowa. God's light is still shining in the darkness that covers our lives. The words of Isaiah 60 say stay this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, the thick darkness of the peoples, but the Lord will rise, arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The bright lights of this world will never last. Darkness can and will come into our lives, and when it does, do we focus on the darkness of this world or do we look to the light of God and following where God leaves us? Does it matter how bright the light of God was that night? No. It's believing and knowing the light of God is the most powerful of lights no matter how bright it is. Because the same light of God that's shone to the Magi is still shining in our darkness today. I was getting ready for work this week. I have the radio on in the kitchen and I heard that all Nebraska State employees are now back in the office. Because the last of the orders given by the governor during COVID had expired, and now all the employees are back in the office. Four years later, four years. Think of all we've seen the last four years. You know, as we're going through that, I kept waiting for one hurdle to be crossed and another, and our lives would get back to normal but here we are four years later and the word COVID is still in our lives. In fact, I know there's people not in church today because they have COVID. Normal didn't return, did it? But it was replaced by a new normal. I remember the Sunday, December, March 16th, 2020, I was filling in for, at a vacancy at a church in Des Moines. And that was the day before everything shut down, right? And all the toilet paper disappeared that day, Right? But I remember getting up that day, and it's like, what am I going to say? What am I, I going to give people for hope? What, what does God want me to say? And I landed on this verse that day, and I've, I've kept it on my phone ever since that day. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those words spoke to me that day, Sunday morning, March 16, 2020, and they still apply in 2024 today. So the days of COVID from 2020 and beyond happened, right? When those things happened, I wanted to pause, but God didn't hit the pause button. I wanted my life to get back to normal, but God gave us a new normal. And during that time, God didn't hide his light from us. I looked at the darkness instead of following his light. The mistakes I made when I looked to myself and let the darkness overcome me are too numerous to keep track of. We think we are wise, but there is only one who is wise. God knows that we are going to make mistakes. God knows we are going to lose focus of his light. Do you notice some of the mistakes in Matthew today that the Magi made in following the star? They went to the wrong place. They went to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem. They openly talk about coming to worship the king of the Jews, thus making King Herod troubled. And when Herod was troubled, everyone should be troubled. They appear to believe Herod when he says that he wants to worship the child too. When they find Jesus, it's not because they figure it out, but because the star appears to them once again and leads them directly to the house where Jesus was. The Magi on their own are not so wise when they see their mistakes. Yet in the words of our fourth wise man today, I hope the Messiah is bigger than all my mistakes. And we know, and we're here today, I'm going to remind you that he is. Our Messiah is bigger than all our mistakes. Look how many times God's light directed the Magi in the darkness. God's light directs us in the darkness of this world and when we make mistakes. Jesus confirmed and told us during his ministry that he is bigger than all your mistakes. John chapter 8, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We know that Jesus, our Messiah, is much bigger than all of our mistakes. He's bigger than all of our sins and the times when we focus on the bright lights of this world instead of the light that shines in this dark world. God chose the Magi to follow his light and God calls us to follow his light in the darkness of the world epiphany means to shine through Martin Luther wrote Christ has always been the life and the light even before his birth from the beginning and will never remain so to the end he shines at all times in all creatures in the holy scriptures through his saints prophets and ministers in his word and works and he has never ceased to shine. But in whatever place he was, has shown, there was great darkness. And the darkness apprehended him not. God's light is shining through. And we as Christians are to follow where he leads us. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.